I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining me by phone today are two representatives of the Newark Symphony Orchestra, the current president, Jack Bartley, and past president and musician, Anna Montejo. Welcome, Jack and Anna. Thanks for joining us. So glad to have you with us today. Uh, The Newark Symphony has uh, quite a history going back, I believe, to 1966. What I'd love to do for our listeners today is is to hear from the two of you about the the Newark Symphony, its its origins, how it got started, how it's evolved over time, some of its milestones, and to take a look at uh, its role in the the cultural community, not only of Newark but really of much of Northern Delaware. So um, I I let let's let's start there. How did the Newark Symphony Orchestra get started? Well, it was uh, started originally. The first conductor was Harley Hastings. And you're correct, it was 1966. And the the first uh, types of concerts and things uh, was more like a Boston Pops type of orchestra. Mm-hmm. And um, it continued on like that for some time. And I became more aware of it after the next uh, musical director came in, who was Roman Polowski, uh, because that's when my wife became involved with the orchestra. She plays viola. And he started to take the orchestra in... A, a newer direction in terms of really serious classical music. And I think that was a huge period of growth for the orchestra, uh, where they really came into their own as as classical musicians and really challenging pieces for the, the community. And when did you join in? I'm not even sure about that. Sure. Uh, so I uh, first came across Newark Symphony while I was a student at University of Delaware, and I graduated in 1995. Uh, so throughout my time at, at the University of Delaware, the music department did not have an orchestra. And so my my open instructor introduced me to Newark Symphony, and and really it's it's just been um, a very meaningful group for me. You know, you know, being with them over 25 years. Uh, and and so there's many of my peers within the orchestra who who come from that era, um, and and so it's it's provided um, a wonderful you know ensemble for all of us as playing musicians. Now, um, one thing I one thing I was just going to add in as far as part of the origin, you know, even as we went past um, Harley's uh, era and into Romans, um, through throughout it all. Uh, one thing the group has done is we have had this annual youth competition. Uh, so not only growing as this ensemble and the type of programming we, you know, the music we offer our audience, uh, but there has been a very long history of our outreach, uh, you know, growing other musicians and, and how we collaborate with the young musicians. And that goes back for more than 30 years, I believe, according to your website. More That's so, correct. I think we're edging edging closer to the fifty mark. You know, wow. Um, wow. so there was a lady, Mildred uh, Gaddis, I believe, uh, who had a, a long history. You know, with the university as well. So, um, yeah, there's there, there's a there's a lot of there's a long tenure there. Now, uh, talk a little bit about how that youth uh, youth concerto competition works, because I, I think it's really a, a, an exciting program. It, it yeah. is an exciting program, uh, and and what happens is that uh, uh, they come in for auditions, and um, there is a panel of judges who critique and uh, evaluate what the performances are like. 
and then uh, one uh, from the high school level and one from a college level are uh, selected to perform with the orchestra, uh, typically in our spring concert time period. This year we actually had uh, a tie for our high school competition winner, mm-hmm. so we actually had um, uh, three performers for this one. Uh, unfortunately, one of them could not make it this year. But the level of uh, performance quality from these young individuals is absolutely incredible. And they deliver some of the finest performances uh, in terms of solo types of performances through a concerto that, uh, that I've ever heard. Now, where do you draw these students from, uh, from the high schools and colleges? And, and how, how does that, how does word get out about that? Anna, you want to take that one? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they. Uh, it's, it's really the surrounding. You know, all throughout the state of Delaware, uh, it does cross into um, Maryland at times, and, and Pennsylvania. You know, driven by uh, music. You know, educators, instructors um, that that overlap um, with us. So um, it, it, it varies. Uh, you know, I think at most we may have up to 20 total students mm-hmm. who audition. Um, but um, it's it's been a you know it's a steady. I, I I can't think of one year in all the years I played where I was not in awe. Yeah, <laughs> any yeah. of these performers, you know. Now, yeah, one of our competition winners this year was all the way from Radnor, uh, which is where actually I originated from. I went to Radnor High School okay. in Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. And another performer was uh, homeschooled. Okay. So okay. the word does get out through a, a variety of different ways. Uh, for instance, the Music School of Delaware right. uh, helps us to publicize this. That's great. Well, it's it's a really wonderful opportunity for for uh, young students who are learning uh, learning instruments to have that opportunity in, in an orchestral setting. Let's let's turn to sort of the the membership of the orchestra. How how has uh, where do your where do you draw your musicians from? What's the range of musicians in age and background? Uh, and how has that evolved over time? It's always a challenge, I think, to constantly renew you know, the members of the orchestra. Uh, people move and come and go in age, of course. Uh, we have had high school performers as, as regular members of our orchestra and people all the way up into... Older than me, and that's pretty old. <laughs> uh, uh, some people have come down from Philadelphia on a regular basis. Uh, they live in Philadelphia and, and make the commute to be performers here. Most of the performers are from our local area, from the Wilmington, the Newark, and, uh, and Maryland area. In southern Delaware. We have some who travel from yeah. the Smyrna Dover area. Yeah, and, and just to add on, I mean, we, we have members who, who who were really here since the beginning. Um, you know, they, they stretched that many decades, and and each year we, we're very fortunate that we do get to see a new face. Uh, uh, so um, the youngest tend to be uh, somewhere in, in the high school if they're available. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the, you know mm-hmm. their schedules are always a challenge, and and typically those musicians, like many of us, we're playing in other ensembles, too. This is all community. Everybody's volunteering their time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so the group, uh, we get our season started in September and go towards the end of May into early June. And so um, 
we are rehearsing once a week, if not twice a week, for those who also participate in our chamber series. Mm -hmm. Are there particular sections of the orchestra that are more challenging to keep filled than others? It it varies. What would you say to that, Anna? I'm not sure about that. I, I think it just kind of goes through waves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes in, I'll give an example, maybe like in a lower strength, um, maybe maybe uh, we have a, a lesser count. You know, maybe you have two bass players rather than four. Right, um, right, right. You, you know, so sometimes um, in those areas, we're, we've been very fortunate. Our, our string section has, the upper strings have been very healthy. Um, and our winds and brass, um, you know, we've had... Uh, steady members in there, plus new members. We we have had, um, unfortunately, we've lost you know some members. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for for the age of our our community group, um, you know, we we have had some members who have passed. Um, and and um, and it's and in some ways, it's been very rewarding to be able to reflect and remember them. You know, through our music and, and mm-hmm. recognize them for their time uh, being with the orchestra. So uh, for uh, when vacancies occur, do you audition, or how uh, how do you recruit new members? A lot of times it's it's come from people who know other people who play music. Okay. So members of the orchestra will reach out to people that they know. They might be playing in another ensemble with them. Uh, I've been trying to – I teach at the University of Delaware. So uh, I've been – when I notice that there's musicians in my classroom, I – Try and convince them to to come out and, and try out for the orchestra. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know we've had some good horn players from the university and percussionists from the university. So it it really is a, a team effort trying to recruit people in for the, the orchestra membership. Well, that will segue into my next question. But let me first remind our listeners that you are tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio fourteen fifty WILM and fourteen ten WDOV. Our guests joining us by phone today are representatives from the Newark Symphony Orchestra, the current president, Jack Bartley, and past president, Anna Montejo. Uh, talking about uh, the, the university and uh, you, the Newark Symphony is situated in a university town. Anna, you mentioned that uh, when you started with the orchestra, there was no orchestra with the university. There is now and quite an extensive music program. I'm curious how that has uh, impacted uh, the the role of the Newark Symphony Orchestra. Anna, do you want to answer that one? Yeah, yeah, sure. Since um, you were part well, of the university <laughs> crowd there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, in, in some ways, uh, one impact, uh, where uh, we do conflict on Tuesday night rehearsals, uh-huh. uh, so it's been a little bit harder uh, you know, to recruit some of those great musicians, um, but we, you know, certainly are a, a great theater as they as they graduate and want to continue. Um, you know, man, many of these uh, musicians may be graduating with other degrees and other careers, and and that's so true. You know, for all of our volunteer musicians, um, you know, it's not like we're all sitting there as music educators. We come from all professions, mm-hmm. so. Um, you know, that's where a great, you know, outlet for, for them to, you know, carry on as musicians. Um, and, 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 again, going back to the youth competition, mm-hmm. uh, we have had many uh, college uh, winners. 
coming out of right. University of Delaware, right. so they have definitely taken advantage of, of that platform. So we're really getting some higher quality, you know, musicians, you know, for, for all the growth coming out of the University Delaware music uh, program. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we, we are definitely benefiting with stronger musicians uh, working with us. Well, that's great. Well, let, let, oh, go ahead, Jack. I wanted to say that our relationship with the University of Delaware has been fantastic. For many years, we uh, performed at Loudus, and mm-hmm. uh, our music library currently resides uh, with the music library of the University oh, of Delaware. okay. Well, that's great. So uh, they've also been helping us lately with uh, access to finding sources of money through grants. And so that's been our latest collaboration there. Great, good. Well, l- let's take a look at what the shape of a season looks like for the Newark Symphony Orchestra. Now, you, you have the full orchestra, you have a chamber series, you've got family concerts. What in, in putting together a season, how does that work, and how do you sort of schedule your musicians through these various per- performance groups? We have a committee within the board of directors who meet on a regular basis to plan out the upcoming years and uh, is planned out quite a bit ahead of time, uh, more than two years, sometimes three years ahead of time, to make sure that everything is in alignment in terms of recruiting people who are going to be concerto performers, who may be guest performers, uh, getting the venues uh, set up ahead of time. Uh, So typically we have four whole symphonic concerts, and they are currently being held at the independent school. And our chamber series, we have three chamber series, and they are typically held right on Main Street at the Methodist Church, which is a beautiful venue for uh, chamber concerts. Early on in the season, before the so-called official season starts, we have a family concert, and this year it's been transformed a bit to a Pops concert. And it's always music that's Uh, I think, more accessible to a wider range of people, and it gets people interested in what the orchestra is doing and then sort of invites them in to hear some more. Uh, These are very accessible concerts. uh, In the family concert structure, it is free, thanks to a grant from the city of Newark. And also this year, the POPs is free for people under 18 and just a nominal charge of $10 for those over 18 to come here and some, some really interesting music, I think, is going to be a very exciting concert. Well, that's great. And, and before I forget to give you a plug uh, to learn more about your the Newark Symphony Orchestra and your upcoming season, I invite our listeners to visit your website, and that is pretty easy to remember. It's newarksymphony.org, correct? That's correct. Okay, good. Want to make sure I got that right. Let's let's turn to your artistic team because uh, uh, you know I went to your website before going on the air. Uh, you have some very impressive musicians involved uh, in your artistic team. Yes, we do. Uh, uh, also, some impressive conductors as well. Uh, we have a besides uh, Simeone Tartaglione, who is our. Uh, our maestro, our musical director and conductor on a regular basis, who has tremendous vision for where this orchestra is going. I think uh, our principal guest conductor is Rebecca O'Brien, who uh, conducted our chamber concert series. Uh, the last one I heard uh, was one of the most phenomenal performances I have ever heard from our chamber orchestra, and she really brought out the best in the uh, in, in the musicians there, I thought. 
Anna, you were part of that too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're very fortunate with each season, uh, the soloists we invite in. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of work from our programming committee. Uh, it's, it's definitely a challenge where, you know, we're nonprofit, all volunteer, and, and trying to pick uh, music that doesn't break the budget, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> um, because not only may the music have expenses, but also filling all the parts. Um, you know, we are volunteer-based, but occasionally you cross lines and you need other musicians just so that you can perform that particular piece. It may right. have certain, you know, calls within the percussion. Um, it, it just varies. Sure. Um, and so um, I, I do really uh, commend our program committee so how creative um, they, they get for these selections. Uh, this Pops concert we're doing, they invited a whistler. We, we have a, a national or international champion whistler. Uh, you know, it's very unusual. Um, uh, in past seasons, we, we had a guest pianist, uh, international um, Italian soloist. Um, right. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, a, it's really a treat, not just for our audience, but as a member, you know, as a musician of this orchestra, um, the music I make with my peers, but also the opportunities working with these guest soloists. Now, Anna, I, I think a lot. Of, oh, go ahead, oh, Jack. Sorry, Anna. No, go I ahead, think a Jack. lot of the the guest performers uh, are invited by Simeone and other other members, and they will come and perform with our volunteer orchestra um, because they believe in what we're doing, and they will not have fees that are commensurate with what they would be normally getting if they're playing with a fully professional orchestra. So we are very grateful for them to, you know, giving their time and their talent to perform with, with our orchestra members. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I know of Simeone's background. He's he's a music educator as well. Does, does, yes. that, does that come into play in the selection of pieces uh, for the orchestra's to perform so that the musicians are conti- continually growing in their their you know performance abilities. Absolutely, I think the diversity of of the music that Simeone is is you know instrumental, shall we say, in selecting for our orchestra to play really contributes to the growth of the orchestra and the individual performers within the orchestra. And uh, what what does a what does the preparation look like for an upcoming concert? What's what's the rehearsal schedule, and uh, what are the demands on the musicians? You know, the the members of the orchestra. Anna, you could probably since you're yeah, right sure. in the middle, right in the thick of this one. <laughs> yeah, and I and I do play oboe, so I got to get there and tune the orchestra too. Uh, so, um, um, so typically uh, with our symphony series, those are four uh, concerts um, within like October, December, March, and May. And we will rehearse um, on average about eight weekly rehearsals leading up to that concert date and then also your dress rehearsal. Uh, so it is that weekly commitment. Um, we are fortunate that we also supplement uh, some of those weekly rehearsals as sectionals. And so we do, um, we try to budget and invite in sectional coaches. Uh, so these are other, you know, uh, music uh, professionals who, who come and work with us. Um, and I think that makes a big difference in our preparation, you know, to, to get to the concert. Um, 
So uh, the Chamber Series is handled a little bit differently because uh, the way that's programmed, it is quite different uh, for between all three of them. Uh, we do one with uh, that includes a choir. So putting those type of rehearsals together is a little bit um, more involved than another chamber where we may feature individual groups. Like, uh, for example, um, I played in the Woodwind Quintet, so our rehearsals were handled on our own. Um, so um, it's, 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 I think one time I added up all the hours, you know, as my role as, as president uh, in the past and trying to, you know, describe what it is that we do. And I apologize, I don't have the numbers in, in front of me, but when you multiply out the total number of musicians and the hours invested, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a lot. It's, I was going to say, it's, it's not just a bunch of people getting together to play some songs. There's a real commitment here. <laughs> Like, you know, especially, yeah. you know, symphonies are like movies. Um, you know, there's a lot of storytelling, and there's, uh, you know, it's not just, you know, reading these notes on the page. It's also right. trying to understand the story and and what we're trying to present. Um, and that that takes work and a lot of a lot of um, musicianship between all the sections and the, and the trust um, that that we need to have with our music director. Right. Well, we we have just uh, about 45 seconds left, but I have to ask this question, Anna, as an oboist, for our listeners, why why does the orchestra tune to the oboe? <laughs> well, I've, I've heard many different reasons, but uh, I, I'll state it's, it's the tone, the, uh, the 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 sound the oboe projects mm-hmm. uh, is is the most, um, from what I understand, closest in voice. I I think it's it's easiest for the the varying instruments to align itself to the tone of the oboe. Okay, and and on that note, I'm afraid we're running out of time. So again, Jack Bartley and Anna Montejo, thank you for joining us to talk about the Newark Symphony Orchestra. I invite our listeners to check it out at newarksymphony.org.